Hi, I'm Tim Segerden, and you're listening to Between Two Worlds, insights from the intersection of faith and business. Join me for a conversation with business leaders as they share their insights, successes, and lessons learned that will strengthen both you and your business. Welcome to Between Two Worlds, business podcast where we discuss the intersection of faith and all things business. My name is Tim Segerden. I'm a pastor and business owner, and today I'm joined by John Reed. Welcome, John. Hi, Tim. Good to be here. Yeah. Awesome to have you back. Now, a lot's changed in the world since we last caught up, so we're well overdue to, uh, again, discuss the state of current affairs. But before we do that, more importantly, uh, you've been out and about enjoying the winter weather. Um, Rotorua, was it, recently? Yep, three days mountain biking in Rotorua, doing the forest down there, fabulous, cold, but just lovely and no injuries. Yeah, always a bonus with when it comes to you, John. Um, uh, and did you put your son in his place? Um, no, he was. He got my big heavy e-bike and was showing how big and high he could jump with it. But, but the other adventure I had was some winter fishing last week, and that was fantastic. Not normally the case. Was but, this a um, successful trip? Yeah, successful trip. Yep, big okay. fish. Yep. Very good. So you, you're in a good mood. Yes. Fantastic. Well, let's just get into it. Um, things are moving quite quickly in the broader uh, economy um, and the macro outlook. Put on your economist hat, and why don't you just give us a bit of a um, uh, update in terms of how you see things as we currently are. Well, Tim, what are six months we've had? Basically, from a financial perspective, nowhere to hide. The Dow down 20%, the NASDAQ down 30%, crypto down, what, 60 to 90%, depending on what coins you got. At least. Property down 10 to 15%. It's been incredible. And I wish we had um, the GDP figures and the inflation figures, but they're not due out for a couple of weeks. So what I think we should try and do is a bit of a layperson's helicopter view and try and look forward, try and kind of hover over this for a bit and try and give folk just some tips or, I don't know, just to have a look and see what we think might come next. Now, this is very much like having a weather forecast, so hold it lightly. John, before we do that, just that, you know, obviously all these different markets down significantly. Uh, there's also even obviously talk of housing. I'm sure you'll get into that. Do you have a gut feel in terms of how you, how individuals' personal um, net worths have changed in this short amount of time? Yes, um, everything's back and down. So, ten percent. I suppose it depends. Yeah, obviously, yeah. And, but and and between ten and twenty percent, you could say just off the cuff. Unless you're holding a whole heap of cash or gold, um, uh, then yeah, ten, fifteen, twenty percent, and more for some. So net worth's just taken a beating in the last six months. Some advice from some people is uh, don't look at your Kiwi saver for now. Probably very, yeah, very, so very good advice. I think, so you carry on. Yeah, there's two things I think that have caught people, and just reflecting as I talk to our business community, um, the speed. So the speed and a share broker I was talking to said, look, John, this is haven't seen this before so fast. Our things turn so fast, bond, bond market, share market, even property, and then how fast interest rates rose and how quickly inflation came, you know, from when 
Ukraine war started well, earlier this year, it just triggered this incredible change in the world. So one thing was the speed, and the second was the lack of visibility for business. So very hard for businesses to get, to get a forward view and say, you know, typically you could work from your, with your suppliers and say, when can I get that product? Okay, it's delayed. Um, so just delays and, and that. What's the market going to do from a real estate, real estate perspective? Oh, so many forces at work there. Can I get funding from the bank? Oh, I've tightened up. Can I get staff? So the lack of visibility that you can plan your way forward. So, so two things just at the moment at work, that visibility for business and the speed at which things have changed. Um, I think one of the key points just to take a breath and pause on and go, there is a natural cycle in things, isn't there? We've seen historically, I've been probably through four property cycles and share markets cycle about every seven or so years and you know we've had a 13 year bull run so we're well overdue and we had that incredible property run last two years so we were well overdue for an adjustment and it needed to happen and was always going to happen but I think the speed and amplitude has been caught a few people by surprise. And obviously with a 13 year run there'll be a number of people in the workforce who would have never experienced anything like it they won't remember the gfc or dot com before that um i guess maybe we get to it in terms of the perspective to take uh are there different are there differences this time yes i think so i think this is a bit artificial the cycle so it wasn't a natural thing i think the pandemic just skewed things a lot and then the Ukraine war skewed things again. So we had a couple of things that come from left field to bump the normal rhythm that we've got. But why don't we get into it and just talk through some of the forces and there's lots of headwinds and forces at work. So geopolitical and you say, okay, Ukraine, you know, that brutal grinding artillery attrition kind of second world war bombardment um, which is devastating from a human and a cost and a, and a global perspective. Is it done by Christmas? Is it over? Is there a way forward? Everything I'm reading is saying it's unlikely to be over by Christmas. This could go on for some time. The Ukraine, supported by the West, won't want to give up any ground long term, and Russia won't want to uh, have under Putin won't want to show defeat. So we're on for a and this is a depressant on the world basically on world economy and, and materially on energy and, and food. Um, so that grinds on for a while, I'm sorry. And then we won't even start to talk about China and their ambitions. That's another for another podcast. So I think that lingers. Um, the pandemic, so we're definitely emerging out of that. Um, you know, what was that in the paper today? Do we go back to red in New Zealand? Everybody goes, no. So we certainly hope not. And we can expect new strains to arrive and let's just hope and pray that they're more virulent and less fatal and but we have got more tools coming the likes of the new um, uh, therapeutics like the Pfizer you take the drug at home if you get sick and um, and 90% efficacy so there are more tools coming and I think we work our way out of that and we learn to live with it as we are now um, we are left with a whole lingering lot of lingering stuff um, some good in terms of hybrid working, others like the massive global debt that got us through this, not so good. Supply chain, gee, you know, you're just hoping because eventually supply gets on top of demand and demand's obviously slowing as, as world economy slows. 
But then you've got COVID, uh, China still pursuing their, you know, even three days ago, their zero COVID, COVID policy. So they continue with lockdowns. They're back where we were a year or two ago. And so that's, you know, that's basically the world's factory on a stop go sort of thing. We are seeing some easing, like the last week or so, the top 10 commodities in the world, a number of those prices are dropping. And then we're seeing global freight costing easing. And so we are seeing some improvements, but unfortunately the New Zealand dollars also pulled back. So, you know, we were 70 cents, we're now back 61, 62, 62 and a half. And the New Zealand dollar is what they call pro-cyclic. So it's linked into global share markets. So when global share markets are weak and declining, the New Zealand dollar follows suit and vice versa. So what that means is um, a weaker New Zealand dollar means everything costs more. So whilst we might see an oil price is easing globally and then our New Zealand dollar drops, we don't see a change at the pump, but it's fabulous for our exporters. So we're doing great from an export perspective and the weaker dollar helps them even more. And then the labour market. So again, um, a real restraint for, for some businesses at the moment. And in 2020, 70,000 Kiwis, or seven, migration was a positive 70,000. And the estimate for this year is we're going to be minus 5,000 people. So most likely we'll have 40,000 people come into the country, but we'll have 45 to 50,000 leaving the country. And as I was driving here in here tonight, Tim, wet, miserable Auckland night, kind of reflecting the economy a little bit. But there's this big lit up billboard going, get the life you want in WA. And here's Western Australia with these happy people in the sun. And you saw the numbers the other day about what the salaries are in Australia, etc. And so a lot of young people are now going to take their OE. Um, a lot of people are going to take the chance to, to head offshore. And so I guess the only aid and help we, we get from a labour perspective is as the economy slows and some industries don't need so many staff, um, they can look around and there's currently jobs for everybody. For example, a real estate um, person going, gee, I see things slowing, I think I'll look elsewhere and they can go down the road and find another job at the moment. So we will see demand for skilled labour ease a bit. But we're really relying on Immigration New Zealand to step up to the plate big time, particularly for all those short-term people we need for hospitality, for horticulture, for agriculture, for ski fields, etc. And, and then we need a whole bunch of um, skilled labour coming in as well. And hopefully they're on to it, um, but you, my tone of voice um, indicates it's a concern because it seems that it takes the processes you have to go through with Immigration New Zealand are long and convoluted. Anyway. And as you have discussions with our business community, you see this having a real impact? Oh, huge. And then massive, uh, in some industries, wage inflation as well because various employers are just offering more and more and ridiculous money in, in some industries. And uh, currently, if you're an IT guru, you can get really good money if you, if you, if you're changing jobs. So, um, so there's real supply and demand issue going on there, and it is a real problem for a lot of our um, businesses in life. Yeah, I talked to a manager the other day 
Um, and as I understood, his whole, whole executive suite was down on the floor unloading pallets. Um, they couldn't get enough of any level of staff. Yes, and the supermarket owner we were talking to was just saying, John, it's not skilled labour, it's all labour. So there's just not enough um, people out there who want to work. And typically all the uh, people who'd come in on a one-year visa um, and get jobs, that's, they're just not here at the moment. So we just need them back here in a hurry. Should we have a yarn? Should we do the share market or crypto no, we've, first? <laughs> Tim? Well, I think they're probably equally as bad. Maybe maybe um, crypto a bit worse with the uh, volatility, but um, uh, they're, they're following each other pretty tightly as as far as I can tell at the moment. So why don't we yeah. start with the, sh- the share market? And um, yeah. there's some big movement, obviously, initially in the tech stocks. Yes, yeah, so tech stocks, are, look, it's been very tough across the board. Very few things have been immune. And we've um, officially moved into a bear market, which is a 20% drop. And if we look at the previous two bear markets that the share market, global share markets dropped into, in the GFC it took 517 days to recover from the bear market before it went back to a bull market. And the dot-com, which was the crash in the early 2000s was 900 odd days. So we're talking you know, nearly two to three years once we go into a bear market for the cycle to change. So we could be in for the share market to be flat for a while and there's still plenty of volatility. Share brokers I'm talking to are saying patchy. Um, and a lot of it is companies' ability to navigate the um, high interest rate environment and to pass on all the costs that they've been getting. So there's a real swing away from, typically, particularly tech stocks, you invested on the growth potential and you could see all the growth that was coming. Now it's don't care about the growth, what are the current earnings, what sort of dividends is this company, you know, are they solid, can they get through the next couple of years in reasonable shape. So there's a bit of a swing in terms of focus for investors. I th- it's too early to call when the bottom of the share market's going to come. And if you, d- if you do know when it is, please let me know. But uh, I think there's three triggers to a turnaround. And one is interest rates. So once we see interest rates peak and start to peak back a bit on a global scene, that will help. Um, Ukraine, if peace was declared in the Ukraine, you'd see an immediate leap in everything, I think. Globally, sentiment would just jump. And I think working our way through the oil supply and the energy crisis, that's a big driver as well. And we're hearing that China's now taking far more of Russia's oil and gas and not requiring as much from elsewhere. So that's freeing up a bit of capacity. Slowing global economy mean less oil, less energy requirements in some markets is freeing up a little bit. So we're possibly seeing our way through the oil crisis and that will reflect in shares but at this stage just expect it to be a bit patchy and a bit volatile and there will be a bit of a flight to to uh, quality um, so with that John do you see any further legs down yes do you think we're, you don't think we're at the bottom no <laughs> so guys this is not financial advice but I just think there's still more downside um, potentially but as I've said, those three things will, will have, have played, particularly the interest rate one. And I think it'll come down to individual companies. So some second and third tier, tier companies have taken a beating as bad as crypto have. 
and for solid companies with good earnings who can pass on all the cost increases, they're going to get through in reasonable shape. But as you said to me, um, it still could be seen as a good opportunity when you're dollar cost averaging into KiwiSaver, etc., and other shares. Absolutely. So I've said um, I just think it's great for KiwiSaver all the way down, and as it kind of flattens out a bit, you know, you're buying really well. There's because a lot of shares at the moment are being oversold, so it's a bad time to um, sell but it may actually be a good time to pick some shares up just quietly on a value cost averaging over the coming months, getting a little bit of, of quality stock and certainly your KiwiSaver. Don't go all defensive and suddenly panic and go from growth to conservative because you just lock in the, the losses. So um, it's almost better to go the other way as things flatten out. Shall we talk about something that's close to your and my heart and that's crypto? Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting less and less um, interested um, as the days go on, John. Um, <laughs> so you know, you've heard my story about my wife's bathroom fund that uh, I put $10,000 of her bathroom renovation fund into crypto and it shot up to 13000 and she said, oh, I should take out my whole lot now. That's great. Well done, 30% gain. And um, it's now worth $3,000. So there is a, um, a please explain meeting has been asked for with what's happened to her missing $10,000. So crypto has been brutal. To be fair, um, I probably, uh, I had some Bitcoin and then lesser amounts of second and third tier and I looked at them and things like Phantom have dropped 90%, Solana 78%, Ethereum 65% and Bitcoin 53%. So there has been a little bit of, you know, some more minor um, coins have taken more of a beating. And then I'm pleased I don't have some pixelated gorilla NFTs either, because <laughs> I think they would have taken a, a fair flogging. So what happens next? I think we go into a bit of a crypto winter. Fundamentally, you and I um, feel that the blockchain really has something in a digital world and that there will be something there for the long haul. Um, and so what emerges out of that, I think there'll be a bit of carnage and some coins will disappear, but I think some of the majors will survive have to remember that the big growth of the last year or two, a lot of that came out of that government relief and stimulus package. There was a lot of spare money awash and floating around. That's all being soaked up in cost of living. So that's not floating around. So I don't see a suddenly big explosion and upside in crypto. I see a more, more quiet, uh, longer term. And as always, um, just treat crypto as a very high risk with a small proportion of what you've got to invest. Very small. Yep. Fair comment? Oh, Happy with that? No, absolutely. So, no, um, uh, again, we've got no idea what's going to happen. And as you've always said, diversification and in terms of allocation in that specific area have been very conservative. Um, so I guess along the lines of diversification, have you got a view on housing? Um, can we maybe talk inflation before we come to housing? Okay, yes. Because, you know, inflation is just like, it's a thief. And we've seen nothing like this in 30 years. So, you know, that's a generation or two, haven't seen inflation. And it's just brutal. And the cost of living crisis, everybody's now seeing it. Um, and so 
The Reserve Bank is charged with keeping inflation between 1% and 3%. Interesting in New Zealand in the last decade or so, it's also been thrown, unemployment's also been thrown in there. So their objective is to make sure unemployment doesn't blow out whilst keeping a cap on inflation. Inflation's got away from the mono for a whole um, lot of uh, external reasons. But, um, and obviously that's internationally across the yeah, board. Yeah, so you've got the Eurozone came out yesterday at 8.5%. You've got um, UK, they're talking about 11% for October. US is running at about um, 9%. And Sharon Zollner of the ANZ is predicting about 7.2%, I think, um, when the numbers come out in the middle of this month. So for New Zealand, it looks like inflation will peak... Um, is close to peaking now or will peak sort of mid later this year. And then the ASB are forecasting inflation back at 2.9% in 2024. So we peak and then we drop back. And look, some of these things are seasonal and a big driver is the oil and whole energy. And it looks like that potential will ease. Um, things like seasonal veggies at the moment are terribly high priced, so that, that eases and we slowly get on top of the supply chain challenges we've had. So so we see inflation peaking and then easing, hopefully this year. Um, wage inflation will be here to stay because you can't um, decrease people's wages. So that gets locked in. But there's kind of, there is a bit of an upside to inflation. I hate to say it, but it does, if your wages are going up and the size of your debt stays the same, it does reduce your size of your debt in percentage terms and government debt goes the same. One of the fields uh, globally is the stagflation thing where you have high prices continuing, you have low or no growth and you end up with high unemployment. We haven't got, we've got the high prices bit of growth, but we've still got really high employment and, and hopefully that will continue. So inflation to ease is basically the prediction. Yep. Um, when? Yeah. So the, the things I'm reading are saying we're kind of moving towards the peak of it now in the next quarter. Yep. And then hopefully by Christmas we're some sort, seeing some sort of relief and the easing back a bit. And again, that will be once we see oil prices ease back a bit. But the weak New Zealand dollar, dollar doesn't help. Um, yeah, and then getting better through 2023. So housing. Yeah, housing. What a biggie. Gee, did you see the other day the affordability, the worst that it's been in 60 years? That is just terrible in terms of... You know, we end up with a whole generation largely misses out on the chance of getting a house. So in some ways, the, the housing market in New Zealand is a bit broken. And I'm not sure what the easy fix is. Kaingaora doing a heap of work. There's more consents than are ever been granted. And there's a huge market for $500,000 houses in New Zealand. But you can't buy a plot of land and put a house in a major centre for that price. Cost of building has gone through the roof cost of land, etc. And so to press reset would see people um, who have paid a lot for their homes. And if house prices fell dramatically, so people could have, next generation could afford them, then you'd end up with all these people hung out to dry with negative equity in their homes, and the government won't want that happening. So, gee, I think you should run a podcast with a couple of our um, real estate experts and get them in with some views about what's the five and ten years. Look, but to give you some thoughts, so Real Estate Institute came out 
the other day and said Auckland house prices have pulled back by 13.5% from the November 21 highs. So across New Zealand, it's back about 10 to 15% in general, and there's been a flight to quality, so quality homes still selling in quality areas, others just sitting there, um, not, not sold. Um, ANZ are sort of projecting the floor in terms of uh, price decrease will be met kind of mid to late 2023, so still a year of prices being flat or pulling back a bit. There's more downside possible, and um, I may get into trouble with people for saying that. And it's very strongly linked into interest rates um, and also the availability of money. So how tight monetary policy is from a government perspective. And it's very complex, isn't it? The whole housing market um, with this triple CFA, the LVRs, the migration numbers, the availability of money and interest rates, etc. But definitely at the moment, um, it, it is a buyer's market, but they're just holding back with a fear of paying too much. Part of the huge driver of recent years has been not enough houses in New Zealand, and it looks like we'll trip into a surplus in 2023. So we'll have more houses than there is demand. And even in Auckland at the moment, you have to say that's the situation for um, for apartments and high-rise apartments in downtown Auckland's plenty available. Most of the consents at the moment are for multi-units, so lots of townhouses. So number of houses being built, if all the consents are actioned, will increase and we will end up, and with slowing migration, we will end up with supply meeting demand and that will probably ease house inflation as well. So house prices ease a bit inflation comes up a bit and in, in 1974 to 1980 real house prices declined by about 40 percent because what we had was rampant inflation unemployment house prices stationary or going back a bit um, and you ended up with with quite a difference in house prices but not foreseeing that at this point from a construction perspective it's incredible, but residential housing makes up about 5% of New Zealand's GDP, so it's very significant. Then you add all the kitchens and bathrooms and plumbing and electrics, and then you have to fill all these houses with, with new furniture, and so it's a really big chunk of GDP. So that's going to um, soften and slow, and most consumers, customers, want a fixed-price contract, and most manufacturers, now builders, can't give a fixed price contact because they have no guarantee of supply, of cost of goods, of hourly rate to, that they have to pay the staff to retain them, etc. So you can just see things softening and slowing there. A little bit the opposite in commercial. So big builds, infrastructure, hospitals, etc. There's still a big backlog and there's lots of projects out there and the pipeline's quite solid. And the big constraint at the moment and just looking forward is the lack of resources, just lack of builders and access to jib. And the government the other day was saying, well, we might intervene and, and source some jib ourselves, etc. So, um, so the labour and supply thing will hold that back. But commercial construction looks pretty solid in the near to midterm. And then the other big driver for the whole um, housing market is interest rates. So... I guess the question is, you know, what are interest rates going to end up at? Where are they going to peak? And currently, one-year interest rates, 5.35. Five-year interest rates, 6.6. 6. 
Um, ANZ is sort of saying they see a one-year rate next year of about 6.14, and that comes into land exactly where the long-term average, so between 2005 and 2019, the long-term average we paid in those years was about 6.14. So we kind of end up back where we used to be, but um, with a higher level of debt than we used to have because house prices exploded in recent years. Two caveats there, if inflation persists, the Reserve Bank has to keep pulling the interest rate lever and driving interest rates up to slow the economy. If the economy goes south and things start um, turning to custard somewhat, then you'll see an easing of, uh, of, of interest rates. So John, I mean, the big question is, from your perspective, are we heading into recession? Are, are we in recession at the moment? Or maybe um, explain the definition of what that is. Yeah, recession, um, I, th- I think the um, recession's commonly thought of as two quarters of negative GDP growth. And I think our last quarter up to the end of March was back about 0.2 or 0.3 or something. And the ANZ saying this next quarter will be plus 0.3. So it's flat. It's neither there nor thereabouts. So, um, and they're saying GDP to be 2.7 by the end of the, of the year. Now, that's positive. So if those two things come to pass, we miss recession. There's but, a lot e- of, but either way, there's a, it's ma- there's, a, there's a massive impact. Yeah, there is. But just on that housing thing, because this has a huge impact, if we have a $500,000 mortgage, which is common in, in the Auckland market, um, it's coming up for renewal. So 60% of mortgages in New Zealand are up for renewal this year. So that's on one year. And that will cost the most households, average household, about $15,000 more to service that $500,000 mortgage. So that's after-tax income that the household has to rearrange itself to cover on what they would have been covering a year ago. That's a lot of money, isn't it, Tim? So then you go, how does that, you know, what happens with that? So what that means, I think, is there's less money to spend on going out, um, less money for travel, less money to spend on um, extras. And um, so that has to have an impact on retail and it has to have an impact on hospitality. And we'll look back to that in a minute. At the moment, so there's a lot of talk of recession and almost talking ourselves into recession, but at the moment the spending says what recession and what cliff. You wouldn't believe it, but credit cards for the last three months have gone up, credit card spending. So, so people out there are saying, eh, eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we diet, die, whatever. But isn't that's that not, amazing? Well, that's not just paying for necessities though? No. Well... I know it's across the board in consumer spending, so this is in the bars and the restaurants, etc. Um, in terms of um, loans and borrowing, that's dropped dramatically and people are just not getting the house and the car yeah. and the boat loans now. So that's people are taking, but the day-to-day living expenses whacking on the credit card and that really is not thinking, gee, my mortgage is going to go up come next month or the month after, I need to actually start allowing for this. And it's same with travel. Americans are travelling their millions off to Europe and just having a ball and spending up large because we're just over the COVID season. It's kind of, they called it um, revenge travel where we're just getting off to see the world. And so... 
I think there's a bit of a feeling out there of let's just enjoy it. We've had a tough old couple of years. Let's enjoy our world. But do we fall into recession? Yeah. Um, so just in, in kind of bringing this into land. So the New Zealand position is lots of global forces at work. We've come through the last two years incredibly well. So two years of GDP growth and now um, now looking down the barrel of a slowing economy and a flattening economy. We've got still relatively low government debt, 42%. We've got our exports going great guns, 5 million people growing enough food to feed 40 million people. Dairy, they're talking about the magic $10 a kilo for milk solids being being reached next year. You know, it's $9, never been there before. So, and we've got very low unemployment. And as some industries slow, some labour will move into other industry. So a quick tally of winners and losers. So the losers going to the next season, the ones who are doing it tough will be hospitality. And you just got a feel for them coming out of COVID then having trouble getting staff, then having dramatic increases in spinach and everything else, and then hearing that people are going to go out less and spend less on hospitality, and retail expected to slow, and res- residential construction. And for people, older people like myself, with no more income, you know, inf- um, inflation is quite brutal. But on the winners, the young guns, the younger people coming through, they're seeing their wages going up, they're seeing house prices drop, they're seeing their KiwiSaver buying at probably undervalued prices, so their KiwiSaver is, is going to be really good in years to come. Um, the exporters going great guns, the tourism and travel people, you know, good growth. And I think the government actually is probably quite a winner at this point. You know, when we had 6% unemployment versus 3 now they're paying out all that much less in unemployment benefit. They're getting a tax take off all of that employment. Their GST take, that's going up by 7% of inflation's up. Um, the, t- the exports, um, that's really helping the government coffers. So I think the whole key to this uh, uh, is keeping a very close eye on un- unemployment. If unemployment holds, people hold their jobs, they'll rejig their family finances to get through this season. But if unemployment starts to fold and we see the likes of retail pulling back and laying off staff and they can't get work elsewhere, can't service the mortgage, then things start to get wobbly. So I think let's just do this again in six months and see how we're tracking. So obviously a lot of uncertainty in terms of what's in front of us. Uh, Plenty of challenging news. Um, I love how you find a silver lining. Um, I'd love to talk about how we as business people should be responding to this. Christian business people, how do we bring a faith element or perspective to what's in front of us in the next and coming months? Just love the analogy of the potter and the clay. You know how we get moulded and shaped by our circumstances and situations. And I guess we can look at this through a lens of um, as a challenging and moulding and shaping and character building time, but it's also do we choose faith or fear during the seasons? And so there's a, oh, recession's coming, panic, oh, oh, everything's down. And if we just don't panic, we go, okay, now is a season to be sensible, just to be careful with what we spend, both on our family budget and, and on our business. Not a great time for spending up large, making sure we've got good diversity. From a business perspective, a lot of opportunities will emerge in this time. 
there'll be a, and you know, good companies through this time will step up and each of the challenges they'll come, yeah, I can see that, I see that, thanks, we see a way forward through this. Let's just take each of these challenges head on rather than head down and going, oh dear. Um, I think for the average New Zealand family going through this next season, there will be a bit of tightening, belt tightening required. So, you know, we won't be able to spend as much on takeaways or the, or the coffee. Um, we just have to think and, and being sensible and having a budget and being aware of what's coming is, is just really just good common sense. But also taking a long view and saying, we get through this, we actually get through this in reasonable shape in the New Zealand economy. And taking a long view that this is cyclic, it is just a down cycle and that um, there is hope in life. And as we get our eyes up and look and we look around from a business perspective, we're looking for opportunities and surrounding ourselves with good people. So I think more than ever, getting along to a, a business group, faith-filled business group and encouraging and supporting each other um, is a great idea. So Tim, that's a little plug for our groups. Yep, absolutely. John, I think that's a really good place for us to finish up. So just want to say thanks again for your wisdom and encouragement and looking forward to rounding back in a few months time to see where we're up to. So thank you for everyone who's listened in. John and I are praying that everything's going to go well for you in your businesses and we will catch up with you next time. Thanks for joining us for another conversation. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.